Hi, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Be With podcast, a podcast about the art and practice of care with me, your host, Barbara Roshna. Hello, loves, and welcome. I'm so excited to be with you here today. So excited to welcome you to the podcast episode. And so excited to tell you that as I'm recording this, there is beautiful sheet rain happening outside, the kind where everything seems like it's got this beautiful white overlay on top of it. And I've got some candles lit. I've got my tea in front of me. I've just got like all the pleasure accoutrement. And I am just so, so enthralled with the opportunity to be able to do this creative project, to speak to you in this way, in this lengthy format where we get to hang out and I get to really let you in on kind of my inner world and my inner thoughts and at the same time offer some of the teachings that I have come into over my time and over my life, both as an emotional wellness coach, but also as someone who's been in spiritual leadership for a really long time. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I am looking forward to getting started and talking about our topic of the day, which is intuition. Intuition is something that is incredibly important to my life and has been for a very, very long time, though I haven't always used the word intuition for it. And so as I was thinking about where to head next in our podcasting journey as we find our feet together and as I discover the kinds of conversations I want to be hosting, intuition came up as a really clear kind of message from within uh, that I could speak to at this time, especially. Um, and so we are going to be leaning into the direction of the spiritual today. As you might have noticed, because the podcast is this combination of conversations about social justice and feelings and spirituality, every episode is, is going to lean a little bit more into the direction of one of those three areas, though I do believe the three are sisters and completely intertwined. And so today we're going to go full throttle into spirituality. And um, before we get started, I have a very exciting announcement to make. Um, if you haven't heard already, Maggie Gentry, who is a dear friend and my business strategist extraordinaire, is coming to Toronto in October. And we have decided to host a weekend retreat in Prince Edward County, which is some really, really, really beautiful land, some land that is sacred to me as I got wed there to my wife last year. And this is going to be called the Healing Business Weekend. And it is for business owners who have been in business for a little while and who know that they are only as good as their health is and their self-care is. And so this weekend is really around healing ourselves, healing our businesses, getting into our bodies. There's going to be everything from yoga to group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching with me to the Healing Your Business Workshop with Maggie, which I myself took in the kind of like early winter of this year that blew my socks off while I was in California um, to a very special guest workshop with Sophie Luxton and her feminine movement classes, which if you've never taken one of those, that is some of the sexiest, most exciting um, work I've ever done in my body. She does rage work like no one else. And so she's going to get us in our bodies, feeling our feelings, processing all the learning that we're doing that weekend so that by the time you are done that retreat, you leave having already begun the integration process. Because I think one thing that always comes up for me with retreats is that 
I'll leave a retreat and then there's so much to integrate and sometimes that's a little bit overwhelming. And so we want to start the integration right during the weekend so that you leave kind of already feeling like you are processing all the learning and intimacy and growth and evolution that you're doing while you're in the safe space of community um, and through your body so that you know that you can carry that learning and that growth and that rest out into the world uh, and take it into your day-to-day life, even after the safe bubble of the retreat. So if you're interested in that, it's happening October 18th to the 20th. You can find all the information on my website at bewith.org. Yeah, that's all I have to say about the retreat for now. I will soon be announcing a Patreon page for this uh, podcast, so get ready to hear about that in the next few episodes. I'm excited to share the kinds of ways that I want to be showing up for our communities um, and how I'm going to be doing that through my Patreon offering. But for now, let's get into talking about intuition. So one thing that I did in preparation for this episode is that I actually asked my Instagram community, a lot of you are part of that community, um, what questions you have about our intuition. And I and I really thought carefully about how to ask that question. Um, rather than saying your intuition or my intuition or the intuition, I said, what questions do you have about our intuition? Because I believe that intuition is something that is a, a birthright of being human, of being a soul, having a human experience. And so I was curious to see what questions people have about our intuition in general and what that, what that, relationship with our intuition can look like, you know, what stumbling blocks people have in listening to their intuition. And the amazing thing that happened is that I I would say 90% of the people who responded, and I got quite a few responses, had pretty much the exact same question, but worded in different ways. And the question was basically, how do I know that what I hear is my intuition and not my fear? Other wordings for the question were, how do I know it's my intuition and not my trauma? How do I know it's my intuition and not my fear? How do I know that it's my intuition and not my old programming? I would say all of those questions are basically a repeat of the exact same question, which is, how do I really trust that what I'm hearing is my intuition? How do I know my intuition is my intuition? And so in order to really open that up and to give the full episode to that question, I want to start by talking about what our intuition is and how we can really understand it. So for me personally, um, I've only been using the word intuition, I I suppose, for probably maybe the last, I'm going to say six years or so, maybe a little bit less even. Up until then, I was still probably using the term the Holy Spirit to talk about intuition. So bear with me for a second here. If you don't have a Christian upbringing, if you don't identify as a Christian, no problem. I don't really identify as a Christian either anymore. But I do think that in Christianity, there's a helpful framework when it comes to thinking about our intuition that I want to just, you know, borrow and use. And since I was a pastor, I feel like I have the right to do that. So the reason I used to call intuition the Holy Spirit is because within Christianity, there's this idea that God, source, the universe, whatever we want to call it these days, is this creative force that is in relationship with itself. Now, these days, I extend that relationship to every single thing in the planet. I think that all of everything as God and is in relationship with oneself. Uh, but the way that I was raised was to believe that God is in relationship with oneself, as in there's like God, the father, Jesus, 
the Son, and then Holy Spirit. Um, now, already, I'm sure we can see the problematic kind of narrative of that. Why is everyone a dude in that situation? You know, there's lots of issues there. But what I like about that model, that Trinitarian model, is the idea that God is in relationship with God's self. Um, and I like that to apply, I like to apply that to ourselves and to know that there that we are in relationship with ourselves in this kind of, you know, multiplicity way that means that our relationship with ourself isn't just a relationship between two things. It's a relationship between many parts, many parts of our beings. There is our manifested part, you know, which previously I think would have, you know, in the Christian terminology would be like Jesus, the son, the the man um, that is both God and man. I would say there's the kind of incarnate fleshy part of us that is the human. Um, then there's the God part of us. There's the part of us that is directly connected to source, to pure creative energy. That is that sense we have of being part of something much, much bigger than us. And then there's our intuition, that third part. And our intuition is something that lives with Within us that is connected to source, um, but that is not made manifest, um, you know, tangibly in our physical world, other than through dum 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 our bodies. So if I can use the lens of Christianity, the Holy Spirit is what was gifted, you know, in the story of the Bible to humans when Jesus was taken up to heaven. So, you know, Jesus dies, he's resurrected, and then when he is kind of returned up to heaven, humans are given the Holy Spirit kind of an exchange, I guess you could say. Now, in, you know, traditional Christian and Jewish texts, the Holy Spirit is there from like day one, early Genesis, early creation, hovering over the waters. Um, But humans don't really become of this part, aware of this part of God, of this part of themselves, until, you know, the incarnate Jesus is gone. And so the way that I like to kind of like take that very, very old narrative that spoke to people for centuries um, and apply it to my modern day life or want to apply it to you right now. Oh, did you hear that thunder? That was so loud. I'd seen like some crazy lightning and now there was thunder falling. This feels very powerful, especially for our first like very spiritual episode. Ooh, let's do it. Um, But so the way that I like to think about this is very much that our Our intuition is given to us, is part of us, is, you know, is our direct, most direct route um, to source, but that we access our intuition, you know, through our incarnate body, because the two are intricately tied together. The two are literally just basically a mirror of one another. And so when it comes to listening to our intuition, I really don't think that we can access our intuition well and unless we are willing to be present to our body. And at the same time, I think our body is one of the most powerful ways to listen to our intuition because it is a mirror of that part of us that is directly connected to source, that is energetic, um, that is connected to wisdom, um, and that is always available to us no matter what. Always. Period. That's it. Um, you know, so I think our intuition is, for me at least, I understand it as the part of us that is soul, the part of us that is eternal and um part of the evolutionary process of creation coming to know itself as it expands and evolves. 
So there's kind of our basic intro to what our intuition is. So when it comes to this question of how do I trust that my intuition is my intuition, I think we need to begin at kind of the the ground of what what really is self-trust and why do we trust ourselves? When do we choose to trust ourselves? How do we trust ourselves? Now, I, um, as far as like spiritual teachings go, I'm not in the camp that we should not trust the human part of ourselves because we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And in that sense, I believe our human experience is just as important as our source intuitive self. I believe both require attention and intimacy and affection from us, require a listening ear, and both have a right to being here because the only way that the universe creates expansion is through kind of this like material becoming of our intuitive intending. And so now if I'm losing you here because you're like, Barbara, you've just gone off the deep end, that's totally okay. But if you're like curious, just keep listening. So the idea here that I'm sharing, and if you're like on board, then like, let's just, let's go, let's go. Um, so we, we have our intuitive energetic selves. We come up with desires. We receive desires from source. Um, but the physical is how we bring those desires and that evolution into being. You know, there is an entire, it's that idea that there's an entire oak tree inside of an acorn, that our entire body is, in, is inside of our genetic structure, but that there is this evolution force that wants to make manifest and wants to create. Um, and so in that way, our human self is actually absolutely necessary towards the evolutionary process. So when it comes to posing the question, how do we know that something is our intuition and not our human self? The first thing that I want to put to question is, why do we need to separate the two? Why are we setting ourselves up with a kind of judgmental attitude that says that our human self is less worthy of us listening to than our intuitive self? Um, I think that's a false premise that we're setting up for ourselves. I really do. And I actually believe that in order to be able to evolve and move forward through a soul evolution, we need to be listening to both our intuitive self and our human self. And that actually, when we listen to one, we are also in exchange listening to the other because they are simply a mirror of one another. And so listening to both is really, really important. Now we need both at different times in our lives. We need one perhaps at one point and one at another, but both are equally important. And and I want you to know that, you know, at least for me, as I'm sitting here and recording this podcast, that I respect your human self as much as I respect your intuitive self. And that I think both are worthy of your love and affection. Now, I don't know why, but here feels like the appropriate time for me to tell you that for myself, at least, um, I have a deep, 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 deep commitment to surrendering to the divine source energy. And the way that I do that is through largely listening to my intuition, but while honoring what my human self needs and knowing that it is a dance of both. I have a very radical, we could say, commitment to full spiritual surrender because that's what sits at the top of my kind of like values scale as far as what's most important to me in my life at the very top of my values is spirituality. And it has been that way since I was a very young human, you know, since I was probably... I don't know, like 
consciously since I was like 12 or 13. Um, but I think probably even younger than that. And so because of that, I want you to know that no matter what your relationship with your intuition looks like, um, your relationship is exactly what it's supposed to look like. And I want you to go into this knowing that sometimes we hear from our intuition and it it points us in a certain direction. Um, but because we're a person having, we're a soul having a human experience, we're going to choose a different option. We're going to choose to go in a different way. And that's okay. There's really nothing wrong with choosing something other than what our intuition is calling us to do. Um, because it's it's not always going to feel often following our intuition is not going to feel like a comfortable choice. And in order to be able to evolve and progress over time, we need to have enough support and enough stability for our nervous system to be able to choose those moments of growth um, and to work with those moments of risk that are required when we choose our intuition and choose often the path not taken by others. So so that's kind of like, I that's a preface I want to offer in terms of, you know, what the right way of listening and following your intuition looks like. There is no right way. Your way is the right way. So let's just make that really, really, really clear. So having said all that, uh, my favorite way to teach is through example and usually through personal example. I really firmly believe that the personal is powerful, political, transformative, um, and that I can best offer what it is that I know. And so, you know, many times throughout this podcast, you'll hear me sharing my own life. And you've already heard that, but continue to hear that um, in order to kind of teach a concept. And and this is no different. Um, and I, I want to share a small example. And then if we have time, maybe I'll offer another as well. So, a couple of weekends ago, I had planned a trip with my sister mind sisters. This is like a business mastermind. We call ourselves sister mind, which I think is pretty fresh and cute. Um, a local business mastermind that I've been part of and have been part of for a really long time. We planned a day at the Toronto Island, which in order to get to the Toronto Island, you have to take a ferry. And so my usual route to Toronto Island includes riding my bike down to the ferry all the way downtown and then popping my bike on the ferry and being able to bike around Toronto Island because that's something I really enjoy doing. I'm a bike commuter. That's how I get around the city. Um, and so I'm, I'm used to that. However, none of my sister, my sisters really bike. Like none of them. They all either take the TTC or drive or do a combination of those things. I mean, they may bike recreational here, here or there, but none of them are commuters. And so I knew going into the day that all of them would be showing up without a bike. I knew that that meant that we were going to be going to a beach that was fairly close to a ferry. So I knew that I kind of didn't, quote unquote, need my bike. And yet I really wanted to go down to the ferry by bike because it's fun. And so I did. And then once I got to the ferry... I got to the lineup and, you know, there were spots for me to park my bike on the city side of the the lake. And yet everything in me said, just bring your bike. And I was like, well, I don't know why I should bring my bike. Like, it kind of seems silly. It's a very crowded day. It's Saturday. None of my girlfriends are going to have their bikes. And so, like, I'm going to kind of have to walk on my own. I don't know. But everything in me just said, bring your bike. Um, and then my brain was able to like pop in and be like, okay, intuition saying, bring your bike. And, you know, I've gotten to a point where I've trained my rational brain to, to really trust my intuition quite a lot and to work 
kind of in tandem, and I'm going to talk about why this is so important and what I want you to take out away from this, um, so that my I can actually use my rational brain to help myself follow my intuition, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't make rational or logical sense. So the example here would be that I had this sense, you know, I should bring my bike. And I basically got convinced myself like, yeah, actually bringing your bike is a good idea because you're going to have your bag full of snacks and a blanket. And that stuff is heavy to carry on your bag. So if you bring your bike, you can just put it in the bike basket and then the bike basket can carry it for you and you could just walk your bike. And that was enough convincing for my brain to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, good idea, good good idea, other part of brain, you know, uh, let's do it. And so I brought my bike onto the ferry and traveled to the island with my friends. Now, the fun part of this story is that my wife, Tanya, was traveling with their friend, our friend, Alyssa, to the island as well. But they were heading to a different beach for the day because Tanya and I so far this summer had not made it to the island. And as I say this, I'm like, my, I'm pumping my two little fists in front of me like a toddler because... We love the island. The island is like the best place to catch the beautiful Toronto skyline. It is, the island is this like verdant, glorious piece of nature out of the city that is magical and whimsical and it's got this good energy and vibes. And so we love this place, but we've had a really busy summer, so we had not made it to the island all summer so far, which is quite shocking. And so when Tanya heard that I was going to the island with a bunch of my like business pals, they were like, WTF, I want to go to the island. And I was like, you can go to the island. And they were like, I'm going to go to the island. So they planned their own island day with a friend. And they ended up catching the same ferry there, which is pretty hilarious. Anyway, so I get, you know, I'm standing in line. I'm having these moments of discomfort where I'm having to convince myself that this is a good idea. This thing that my intuition is telling me to do with bringing my bike on the boat And I'm using a small example here. I'm not talking about a life decision. I'm talking about a small thing because I want you to notice how many steps there are in me working through resistance to allow myself to actually follow my intuition and to be able to discern that what that is, is my intuition. In a second, we're going to come back to to why that tandem point that I made earlier about my brain and my intuition working together was so important. Get ready for it. It's going to blow your mind. So anyways, long story short, I have this lovely day on the island with my friends at the beach. And then the end of the day comes and I have this like deep sense of like, wouldn't it just be so nice right now to like go have a beer with Tanya on the other side of the island at the Island Cafe, which is the freaking cutest place in the universe. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to call Tanya and see where they're at. And I called Tanya and Tanya was like, hey, babe, how you doing? And I was like, I'm good. We're just wrapping up here at this beach. Tanya said, we're wrapping up at that beach. I said, hey, do you want to go get a beer at the Island Cafe and invite Alyssa? Tanya was like, yeah, we can do that. And guess what? At that moment, I was like, oh, I have my bike here. Getting to the other side of the island, which is like, you know, a 25 minute bike ride, which would be crazy long to walk, I'm not going to do that, was totally doable. And so Tanya said, okay, great, we'll jump on your bike and meet us at the cafe. And so I jumped on my bike. I started biking to the cafe. Already, I was like, intuition, this is why you got me to bring my bike so I can like go have this nice drink. It's going to be so lovely. 
And then things got even better. So I get to the cafe, Tanya and Alyssa and I are all walking in and all of a sudden I see this like mom walk by with her two-year-old child um, and they're talking and they're laughing and I notice that they're speaking in Russian. And then I just had this like sense to look to see where her husband was, which I assumed that that would be, you know, I just assumed like, oh, where's her husband? Because the thing I know about us as Russian people is that we like, we love spending time outdoors. So whenever I take Tanya like hiking somewhere where we see like a million Russian families, and Tanya's like, what? Why do we never see them anywhere else? And I'm like, because the Russians love the outdoors. We just do. It's where we want to be. And so there's like a whole culture around it. And so I like look to see where the husband is and there's another woman. And I just had this deep knowing immediately. I was like, oh my God, they're a queer couple and that is their adorable little child. And I said it to Tanya and Tanya was like, no, no way, no way. And I was like, no, I promise you, yes way, yes way. And Tanya like walks off to get us the table. I'm like, go, go, I'm gonna do some research. So I like send them off. And then I like part the bushes that are like the green bushes that are in front of me while I'm like on this ramp. And I see the other mom and I go, hey, hey, это ваш ребенок? Meaning, is that your child? And she goes, да, наш. Now what you need to know about this exchange in Russian is that there's a way to say yours plural and ours plural versus my and yours singular. And so I use the plural yours to say, is that your child is in like the two of you? And she responded to say, yes, yes, this is our child as in the two of us. And then we like made this like really intense eye contact. And I was like, okay, I'm coming down. Let's meet. And so like I came down the ramp, she walked across and immediately I was like, do you want to get coffee? And she was like, oh my God, I'd love to get coffee. I was like, my wife is over there. And so we had this wild moment where we ran into each other as queer Russian women, you know, and what I can tell you is that up until a couple months ago, when I like met my first Russian lesbian couple at a massage clinic, um, I had had literally up until then, and that was the only time, this is the only, this is only my second ever encounter of other Russian gay women in my entire life. And I am 31. How, how is that a thing in my entire life? Moreover, it is my first Russian lesbian couple with a child, which is just like, what? Oh, oh what? Huh? What? How? And so I just had this this moment and like and the fact that I said, let's do coffee and she immediately responded with like, yes, I would love to was this moment of like beautiful synchronicity. And Tanya came over and introduced themselves and we exchanged numbers. And, you know, I emailed them like the next day being like, come over for tea. And so they're coming over next weekend. And I am so excited because we have like no Russian community in my life, not and especially not Russian queer community. And this is an intention that I've had a while, for a while to call Russian queer community into my life. It's, it's an ache and a longing that I've had, but I've had absolutely no idea how to really make it happen. It's not that like there are really like, you know, enough Russian queer women that you can go on Facebook and just look up like Russian queer women group. Like that's not, that's not a thing. And so this magic was not something I could have ever predicted. It was not something I could have ever facilitated. Um, and yet it happened. And it happened because I followed my intuitive pull to bring my bike on clumsily onto a very packed ferry because I knew 
how to use my brain and my human self and my programming to communicate with the rest of myself and convince myself that this was indeed a very good idea. So right now, let's connect some of these dots. Let's bring it all together. And let's also wrap it up with like an embodiment exercise because the body is so important to this. Okay, also, as I'm getting to this part of the story, you should know that the rain's just cleared, and now the room I'm sitting in is so sunny and beautiful, and there's, like, blinding light coming in through the windows, which is kind of magical, considering it was so dark just a few minutes ago, but now that I get to the conclusion, it's like, oh, you're where you're supposed to be, Barbara. At least that's how I experience God in my head. Okay, so first, let's talk about the importance of that tandem work between your human self and your intuitive self. So between your rational self, which is much more easily bought into fear, and your intuitive eternal self that's just like, don't worry, death is just part of evolution. It's okay when your human self is like, but if I die, I'm dead. So how we get those two to work together. As I was approaching you know, the ferry line and noticing that I had my bike and that it was a bit clumsy in getting in everyone's way. Part of what I did to figure out whether it was my intuition talking is I checked in with my body and I looked to see, was I feeling like I was being pulled forward or like I was being pulled back? Now, our body is a very, very, very good tool that we can use to listen to what's our next right step. My my sense of what happens to our body when we are following our intuition is that there will be this sense of well-being is how I'm going to describe it. Um, And I'm going to complicate what that term is. I don't want you to think like free of pain or free of anxiety or any of those things because those are human experiences and they're totally okay. But a sense of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like a sense of your body being like, yeah, okay, you know, Even if like you're scared and you're freaked out, it's like, you know, it's like early on when you're dating someone you're really into. So I remember this feeling very specifically with Tanya and I when we start dating. Like sometimes when we would go on walks and talk, I like had a really kind of intense time like journeying with Tanya as we started dating in terms of like, you know, not convincing them, but just, ooh, hear that thunder. Convincing them that like, hey, it's good that we're dating. I know you're just freshly out of a relationship, but like we can take it slow. Like it was kind of like an intense, our getting together was an intense time. I was freshly out of a broken engagement. Tanya was freshly out of a relationship. And that was very, very important. And I remember we would like walk the streets together. It was the dead of winter. And everything in my body would vibrate with this kind of like anxiety and fear of like, because everything in me knew that I met someone really amazing and someone who was a really good fit for me. So having to like dance our way into dating in this like very tentative way was a really anxiety provoking process. And so I remember having this like intense vibration always in my body whenever we'd have these conversations about dating. And yet in the midst of that vibration, there was always this deep sense of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is anxiety provoking in my physical body because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's that sense of the thing in your body, you know, this like sense of like just solid like truth. And so I, you know, I like to think about 
I like to really tune into my body when I'm making decisions and trying to figure out intuitively what the next right step is. Um, And so for one, as we were standing there in line, you know, and I listened to my body, my body, even though it was uncomfortable to be clumsy and to be with all these people and have my bike, my body did not want to let go of the handlebars of my bike. I could feel that. I could feel that like as my hands rested on the handlebars, there was this sense of like, yep, this is where I'm supposed to be. All the action and fear and freak out was happening in my brain, but my body was actually pretty solidly just like keeping walking forward towards the ferry, forward towards the ferry. Nope, not those bike racks. No, keep walking towards the ferry. And so that's kind of like the first thing that I, that was my sign to the fact that this was the right next thing. The second thing that was my sign was that as, you know, or like my intuitive knowing was that like, as I got close to the ferry, you know, and started really considering bringing my bike on board, as my brain, you know, jumped up and was like, but why it's clumsy and awkward, and you're going to make other people uncomfortable. And this might separate you from the pack. Oh, God, abandonment, you know, all those things. I thankfully, because I, I know that my human self, that part of me that's afraid and worried, deserves my love and attention and support, I kind of like calmed myself. And I said, like, hey, yeah, that's okay. That might happen. At some point, you might even get separated from the pack, which I did at one point when we arrived to the island. And you know, it might be a little bit awkward, you might have to walk a little bit slower. But I knew that in order to calm down that freaked out part of myself, I had to give it something. I had to offer it something. So rather than like considering that part of me wrong or bad for having all those fears um, in the same in the way that sometimes kind of like in circles that think about spirituality, we kind of like condemn our human selves, we condemn our traumatized selves. Instead of doing that, because I don't believe in doing that, as you know, I kind of treated it validly and I said like I got it you got a lot of fears I understand that you're worried here's a bonus the bonus is that even though it's going to be a little awkward it's going to feel really good on your shoulders to not have that heavy weight on your back and anytime that that kind of like anxiety came up in me when I was like oh god this feels really awkward with people I reminded myself Barbara feel your shoulders feel how good it feels right now to not have a heavy weight on your back that's why you're doing this And that was just enough confirmation for my fear and anxiety brain, for my human, beautiful, lovely, fallible self to know that we were making this decision with my own best interests in mind. And once my my human self was able to hear that, it was able to kind of stay grounded and present and kind and understanding enough so that my intuition could keep leading the way and saying, let's keep moving forward. So now, having applied this to this small example, let's take it to your life. Let's take it to the parts of your life where you're trying to make decisions and you feel your intuition kind of pulling you into this next right step. Now, no, I think, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know this principle. If you don't, this is a great principle to play with. Your intuition is is not really going to give you seven steps down. It's going to give you your next right step. Sometimes I do sense our intuition will give us like an image of the future. Like it'll give us kind of like a picture or a little piece of knowing about something that's way, way, way down the line, but it won't give us any of the how to get there other than the next right step. So often what we get is we get like an image that's like way down the line and then we get the next right step and that's it. We don't get anything in between. If we got everything in between, life would be boring. We wouldn't evolve. That's not the point of your human experience. 
The point of the human experience is to evolve and to grow and to learn and to become closer with source and to allow source to make itself manifest in more ways in the world and to bring about more justice and more love and more compassion and gratitude and care and all that good stuff. So what we get is a little image of the at the end, you know, the end, quote unquote, like whatever the end is in this particular scenario. And then we get the next right step. So now let's take like this and let's peel kind of all the learning that we've done here with my small example. And let's apply it to some of the bigger language, some of the bigger choices, some of the bigger, heftier concerns, I guess, that were brought forward in terms of how do we know that it's our intuition speaking and not our trauma, our previous programming that was problematic, our coping mechanisms, our fear. Okay, first, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't know which it is. And there is no way to really quote unquote, figure it out other than to take the next step that you're feeling like is right and see how you feel after it. So principle, not principle number one, I'm going to say it, principle number one in this. Principle number one, I already gave you. You get the next right step. So to expand on principle number one, when you take that first right step, you're going to have a sense of it in your body. You're either going to notice that you feel like, okay, I'm ready to take the next step, or you're going to have like a freak out mode. Either response is fine. However, if ah, freak out mode comes up, that's a moment to slow down and say, okay, my human self has not gotten what it's needed. And before we can like push forward with the intuition, because the intuition is always going to move you through to evolution and evolution is highly uncomfortable. Congratulations. You're manifested on the, the planet. That's what evolution looks like. Because evolution is uncomfortable, we have to make sure we tend to the human self and give it the support it needs before we can move forward with intuition. So if you're, ah, you gotta look at the human self. So sometimes the freaking out human self, I can't make that sound too many times because it hurts my throat. Sometimes the human self, you know, might be trapped in something kind of small, like a basic fear or concern or insecurity. And sometimes the human self has like a piece of trauma lodged in its experience and is going to bring that trauma up and suddenly even though you're like just trying to make a choice about what outfit you're going to wear like you know abandonment issues come up right to the top of the surface and you're like why does it feel like I might die if I choose the wrong outfit to wear on this first date tonight okay it's okay both are okay it doesn't matter where you're at but here's what we need to do First, we need to address the trauma brain and the human self and the past programming enough so that you have the capacity to really listen to and follow through on your intuition. Now, I do believe that our intuition is what leads our soul's growth. So ideally, I'd love to have you living in a place where you're listening to your intuition and following it. In order for that to happen, though, you absolutely must meet the needs and support your human self. Your human self deserves support. Your human self needs support. And there's nothing wrong with it needing support. That is part of, of care and compassion, which is also part of our soul's journey, is developing those loving, generative qualities. And so I really want you to be able to have the capacity to do that. So let's say that you are um, coming up against a choice where you have this vision for 
a certain form of growth that you would like. Let's say you want to launch a new business or a new offering in your business. Let's say you want to get married. Let's say you want to um, begin building a home from scratch. Um, You know, whatever the thing is, there's kind of like this big vision that you've been given, right? So that's like the end of the journey that we talked about earlier. You've been called into expansion. You feel it. But as you're looking at it, you're like, uh, uh, I don't know if that's like me actually, like my soul calling me to that, or if it's like my human trauma, fear self, maybe my, some people might call it my ego self that is just created a shiny penny for myself to go after, or maybe, you know, it has just, um, coming up with that goal instead of dealing with what's really here. Like, so, you know, you, you can even tell probably in my voice that like, I had like so much clarity on like soul evolution. And then suddenly as I started talking about the other part of you, I was like, meh, maybe this, no, maybe this, oh, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that, right? Like, the energy is totes scattered. It's very different than like evolution self. And so you're you're asking yourself like all of a sudden like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Which part of me, which part of me is this? That's that's like that's saying let's apply for this thing that will that's like the next right step, quote unquote, to take me to where I need to go. Or the fact that like some part of me, or better yet, better yet, ready? So let's say that the thing you want to do, well, just work with one example for now. The thing you want to do is you want to like launch a business and there's a part of you or launch a new offering in your business because I know many of you listening to this are business owners Um, and you you kind of sit down with yourself and you're like, okay, I've got a vision. This is new, the new offering I want to do. But then you kind of like check in with your body and see what's up there and what's available. And your body says, and now I want to have a nap. And you look at the clock and you're like, it's 2 p.m. Um, I, I, I had a nap yesterday. I don't think I need a nap today. Today I think I actually need to take some action and like move forward on this big dream and vision. And you sit down and you start working on this thing and it just does not, like, you're just, like, freaked out. You're stressed out. It does not feel right. You know, there's a, you're, like, sweating buckets as you're sitting down to start working on this project. You know, you kind of, like, come up with a 10-step plan and then realize none of it is going to work. And there's a deadline. And you also need to do your taxes. Like, you know, just, you sit down and it's, like, a, it's like a, just a smorgasbord of things. Okay, so this is the moment where we, your brain has gone into fear response. And we need to take care of that fear brain. Your options include slowing down with your body, which I'm going to give you a visualization meditation to do right now, to see what information your body can give you about what you need to do next. You could give yourself that nap that earlier body was asking for. You could journal this out. You could write to your intuition, which is a practice I really love that I have borrowed from Jess Lively and have been using for many, many years now and works for me like no problemo. You could pull some tarot cards. Um, Heck, if you know how, you could read some tea leaves. I don't know much about that practice because I don't practice it, but you could find a practice that is supportive for you for figuring out what's your next right step. But this is the moment where your brain is in haywire And we're rather than like pushing through, which is what we're taught to do, like just push through, push through the fear. What we actually need to do is slow down with the fear enough and lean into the fear enough to ask it, what do you need to feel calmed down? And here's where 
intuition and like human self actually begin working in tandem. Here is where they become a reflection of one another. To meet our human need is to support ourselves enough to create the capacity for the intuition to speak. Let me repeat that. To meet our human need, to meet the need of the part of you that is afraid is to create enough capacity for your intuition to speak. So ideally, we're not making these enemies. Ideally, we're making them partners. This is why like sitting down and doing inner child work is such a powerful way for us to move forward. Um, And this is why I say we need to slow down in order to speed up because rather than pushing past ourselves, we actually need to slow down with ourselves to know where to go to next. Because if we refuse to speak kindly and compassionately to the part of us that's afraid and scared, why the hell would any other part of us really give us the time of day? Really? We're saying like, I'm just going to like hate on my human self and think that it's a dumb idiot and tell myself no more excuses and, you know, like grow the fuck up and don't be so afraid and like da 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 da. And like, you're just a fear and I'm not going to let you stop me. We're like speaking to ourselves in that way. But then at the exact same time, we're like, okay, intuition, show up. Let's do it. Let's go. We can't. That's not how relationship works. And we are we are in relationship with multiple parts of ourselves and we have to learn how to treat all of those parts of ourselves with kindness and care and compassion. That is our work. So we're going to do that work here and now. If you're someone like me and you're listening to this podcast while you're washing dishes or going for a walk or driving somewhere, if it is safe to do so, I would love for you to like look at the time marker, see where we are in the episode, And remember that number so that you can come back to this meditation and practice it at a time when you can give it your full attention. If you're just like somehow magically sitting and listening to this and relaxing and single tasking, first of all, bless you. I am so proud of you. You single tasking champion. I I am in awe of you and try to be you as often as I can, but damn, it's hard in this world. So good on you. Let's do this thing. Okay. Are you ready? Find yourself a cozy spot, get comfortable, and close your eyes. Begin by watching your breath. Not changing it. Not shifting it, not deepening it. Not controlling it, but just by bringing your awareness to it. Notice how the air enters your body. Notice the flow of air and where you can feel it. Whether it's in your nostrils or your throat or your chest or your belly. Notice the speed of your breath. The temperature of the air coming into your body and leaving your body. Pull your awareness out to the whole of your body. Feel it seated and grounded. 
Feel your sits bones pressed into the chair that you're sitting on. See if you can just release 10% more of your weight to the surface that's holding you. This might be a really nice moment to let yourself have a nice deep exhale. First begin by scanning your body for any place of tension or contraction. Any part of your body that's actively calling for your attention. Maybe it's a pulsing. Maybe it's a tightening. Maybe it just feels like dark, heavy matter. Begin by drawing your attention to the kind of outer edges of that part of your body. Notice its shape, its size, its texture, whether it comes with a color or a sound. This is a part of your body that's calling for your attention because it's feeling some feelings is what I'm going to say. Maybe it's even strokes to funk, if I can quote a little Jonathan from the Fab Five. If this part of you could speak, what would it say? If you feel comfortable doing so, say what it would say now out loud. Notice what it's like to hear yourself say those words. What is this part of you need? Once again, if you feel comfortable, respond to that question out loud now. Is there a way in which you could meet some of that need today? Maybe it's a need to slow down. Maybe it's a need to know that you are loved. Maybe it's a need for intimacy or for food or a glass of water or rest. Maybe it's a need for a boundary. Make a commitment to yourself and to that tender part of you that you will do what you can to meet that need. Even if it means asking for help, 
reaching out to others, slowing a project down, practicing kindness with yourself. Maybe place a hand on this part of your body if you don't have it there already. And thank this part of you for speaking up. For sharing of its tenderness and its vulnerability. Affirm to this part that it's okay to be just as it is. That you are grateful for it. You are grateful for this tender part of you. Then when you're ready, begin to pull your attention gently away from this part of your body, promising you'll be back later, that you will not leave it alone, that you will return Begin to scan your body for the part of you where truth lives. The part of you where there is knowing. Where there is eternity inside of you. The part of you that is present and waiting and patient and calm and prepared. Notice what this part of you is like, whether it has a shape or a color, whether it has a sound or an energy or a vibration. A shape, a substance, a texture. Ask this part of you, what's my next right step? If the word right feels triggering or like it creates a polarity, like a right and a wrong, feel free to substitute that question for one that works for you. Like, maybe what's my next step? <laughs> or maybe what's here for me now? Where am I being called to? What will you have me do? What am I supposed to know about this right now? Find a question that feels good to ask in your body. For me right now, what felt good to ask is, what's here right now? See what comes up. There are no right or wrong answers here. There's just the answer that you're getting and receiving. 
The answer that you're receiving is the answer for this moment. It is right for this moment. It is valid. Your way of listening to your intuition is valid. What support do I need to follow through on what I hear? Or just what support do I need for this? See if that part of you responds with language or with an image. What do you need from me? Trust whatever you hear. And if you hear nothing, then hear the sound of your own breath, of your own being available to you at this time. Know that this takes practice. This takes quieting down and that maybe your human self still needs a little more attention and tending before your intuition can take up space to speak. If that's the case, then pause this audio and go back to the first few questions or just bring them up for yourself right now. And tend to and spend a bit more time with the part of you that's afraid and needing your attention. That part of you that might be hurting or tired. Wherever you're at right now, thank all of yourself. Thank both of these parts of you. There are just two parts of you of the multitude that exist within you. Thank yourself for the information that you've received, both from your human self, from your fear self, from your inner child self, from your wise, intuitive self, from your source self. Send gratitude to your whole body for speaking up, for being present. Begin to pull your attention back to your breath first, the wave entering and leaving your body. Notice how the waves might be different than when you first landed on this beach of awareness. Begin to notice your body as a body in the room, in space. Notice where your skin is making contact with the clothes you're wearing. Notice where your body is making contact with the chair that supports you. Notice where your flesh is making contact with the air around you and the room around you. Take a deep breath in 
Let it out with a sigh. And then when you're ready, open up your eyes. Hmm. There we go. So there's a good example of what slowing down with our body to listen to our intuition, to listen to it as a mirror of our intuition looks like. Um, there we listen to our human form and tend into it so that we can make some space for our intuitive form. Um, for these various parts of ourselves to speak up and speak forward. Your trauma does not make you wrong, friends. Your trauma is part of the evolutionary experience of your soul having a human life. It is valid and precious. Yes, I'm calling your trauma precious because even though it is suffering... I know my trauma was suffering, is suffering. It is also your capacity to build empathy and compassion and connection. And uh, it is where so much of our fertile soil is. So let's remember to not be afraid of it. Let's remember to work with it and to trust it just as much as we trust our intuition and to trust its lessons. If there's one thing you get out of this episode, I hope it is that um, the possibility of having a kinder relationship with the parts of you that are afraid and scared and to trust that they can work together with your kind of intuitive self um, to support you, to support your community, to create the change you want to create in the world um, and that they work in tandem. So yeah. Um, I think that's where I'm going to leave it off for now. I think this has been a very long episode, but I felt really good about doing that meditation and really giving ourselves the time to do that. Um, if you really enjoyed that, you want to be on the retreat that we're doing in Prince Edward County uh, on October 18th, uh, because that's what we're going to do more of, um, except in fleshy person, which is so exciting. Um, yeah, I love you. Thank you for listening. Um, please, uh, leave this podcast a review or a rating or share it with a friend. Um, if you know someone in your life who has a real hard time making peace with that hurt, scared part of themselves, please consider, consider sharing this episode with them. Um, and also feel free to share this jam on social media and especially on Instagram, you know, I love to see that in your stories and we'll, um, reshare it, um, you know. If, uh, yeah, if there aren't too many of them and then I might get shy. <laughs> um, thank you for being part of my community. Um, I still have at this point, I still have one more spot in my private practice for the fall. Uh, I don't know if I will still by the time that this is recording, but feel free to reach out, um, to look up on my website for my coaching packages and pricing and what it is that I do, um, yeah. And, uh, and if those spots are full, I'm happy to put you on the waiting list or happy to put you on my email list. So you know about all their treats that are coming up. Um, I'm hoping to have lots more in the works other than just this one. I'm going to be collaborating with some amazing other coaches and business owners, um, to hopefully do retreats all over North America. So, um, yeah, 
So that's about it for me for now. And I will talk to you next week. Have yourself a wonderful day.